This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Exit polls from Italy's election suggest that a right-wing coalition led by the far-right Brothers of Italy party is set to win a majority in both houses of parliament. The party has its roots in neo-fascism. Its leader, Giorgia Maloney, is likely to become the country's first female prime minister. Some Russian men of fighting age are being banned from leaving the country, according to the Telegraph channel of Pavel Chikov, a Russian lawyer. Queues of people attempting to avoid the draft have been reported at the country's borders with Georgia, Kazakhstan and Mongolia. As many as 2,000 people have been arrested for participating in protests against the measures, according to OVD Info, a human rights group. Over the weekend, Russia launched new strikes on Ukrainian cities while residents in four Russian-controlled parts of Ukraine were coerced into voting in favour of joining Russia. North Korea fired a short-range ballistic missile off its east coast, according to South Korea's army. The launch, the latest in a flurry of missile tests this year, came just after an American aircraft carrier arrived in South Korea to participate in military drills. South Korea called it an, quote, act of grave provocation. Eliud Kipchoge, a Kenyan runner, broke his own world record for the fastest marathon. He finished the 26.2 miles, 42.2 kilometers race in Berlin in two hours, one minute and nine seconds, some 30 seconds faster than his previous best. Mr Kipchoge has run the distance in less than two hours before, in 2019, but as it did not take place in an official competition, the time was not a world record. Thousands of people in the Philippines were evacuated from coastal areas as a major typhoon approached. Typhoon Nauru made landfall west of Luzon, the archipelago's main island, with winds of nearly 150 miles per hour. In Canada, Storm Fiona hit the country's east coast, destroying several homes and power lines. And in the Caribbean, Tropical Storm Ian is forecast on Sunday to strengthen to become a hurricane. Banks in Lebanon will reopen on Monday after armed raids by customers demanding access to their savings forced branches to close. The country's banking association said that banks could reopen despite, quote, the absence of adequate protection by the state. Withdrawals have been limited and deposits frozen for nearly three years amid an economic crisis. As Britain's opposition Labour Party began its annual party conference, Keir Starmer, the party's leader, told the BBC he would reverse tax cuts to the highest earners announced by the Conservative government on Friday. In a different interview, also with the BBC, the new Tory Chancellor, Kwasi Kwarteng, defended the cuts which he says will help Britons at all levels of income. And fact of the day, $45 billion. The amount spent by institutional investors on single-family rental homes in America last year up from $3 billion in 2020. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. The state of the global economy. Which countries will fall into recession in the coming months? And how deep will the global downturn be? The OECD's latest economic outlook 
published on Monday, may offer some answers. A growing number of economists are sure that the European economy will soon be shrinking as higher energy prices bite into household consumption. If the Bank of England is forced to respond to the government's tax-cutting agenda by further raising interest rates, Britain may be sent the same way. America, for now, looks surprisingly robust. The world's largest economy is still creating jobs and there are few signs of weaker spending. Recent surveys of manufacturing have looked fine, if not great, and consumer confidence seems to be rising as the price of petrol falls. But with the outlook for inflation so unclear and the Federal Reserve rapidly raising interest rates, you would be brave to bet that pain can be entirely avoided this winter. The Forgotten War in Myanmar The ongoing bloodshed in Myanmar might draw more attention were it not for the war in Ukraine. The latest outrage occurred on September 16th, when the army attacked the village of Letyet Kone in the northwest of the country. A school was fired upon by helicopter gunships, killing at least 11 children and two adults. The incident will doubtless feature in a report to the UN Human Rights Council on Monday when it devotes a session to the country. Since the army seized power in a coup last year, the situation in Myanmar has deteriorated rapidly. The UN says that over 13 million people are short of food. Over one million have been displaced as the army battles against an increasingly well-organized opposition. Many countries have reimposed sanctions on Myanmar, but arguments will be made at the UN that there is more to be done to cut off the junta's access to revenues and arms. Whatever has been tried so far to deter Myanmar's murderous generals clearly has not worked. France's Budget On Monday, the French finance minister, Bruno Le Maire, will unveil the government's budget for 2023. He faces a difficult balancing act. France has promised to bring the government's budget deficit down to 3% by 2027. But next year's figure is expected to be 5%. France will have to spend heavily to subsidize energy bills as promised. To protect consumers from inflation, the government plans to cap price rises for electricity and gas bills to 15%. France also needs to demonstrate its fiscal responsibility. The European Commission has suspended the enforcement of its fiscal rules, which require deficits under 3%, until 2024. But the French deficit is closer to that of Spain and Portugal than Germany. So President Emmanuel Macron is also keen to press ahead with his promise to raise the retirement age from 62 years old to 64 or 65. Adding this to the budget would demonstrate reformist zeal, but could also prompt demonstrations and strikes. Relations between Colombia and Venezuela An important South American border crossing will fully reopen on Monday. Amid a thawing of relations between Colombia and Venezuela, vehicles carrying passengers and goods will be able to cross between the two countries for the first time since 2019. The border was shut when Colombia's then-president, Ivan Duque, refused to recognize Nicolas Maduro as Venezuela's leader after disputed elections in 2018. The election in June of Gustavo Petro, a leftist, as Colombia's president has improved relations. New ambassadors have been appointed. Flights will also resume. 
The opening should help both economies. Exports from Colombia to Venezuela, including palm oil, were only worth $331 million last year. Colombia's trade minister reckons trade could reach up to $1.2 billion this year, double previous estimates. But that relies on Venezuela's fragile economic recovery continuing. Colombia's exports to Venezuela had already fallen after Venezuela's economic collapse in 2014, and the neighbors will also have to tackle gang activity and rampant smuggling across the border. NASA's Crash with an Asteroid The Earth's defenses and the plots of science fiction films will be tested on Monday when a space probe weighing 600 kilograms will be crashed into Dimorphos, a small rock in orbit around a larger one, Didymos. The intention of the double asteroid redirection test is to shorten Dimorphos's orbital period, 11.9 hours, by about 10 minutes. That will test the feasibility of deflecting such an asteroid, should one be discovered which threatens to collide with Earth. If something the size of Didymos, 780 meters in diameter, hit Earth, it could take out half a continent. But even the explosion of an object as small as Dimorphos, at 160 meters across, would be equivalent to 400 to 600 megatons of TNT. By comparison, the blast from an asteroid which detonated over Siberia in 1908, flattening 2,000 square kilometers of forest, released something like 20 megatons. The hope is that if such an incoming object were to be discovered, a gentle nudge would cause it to miss. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home, city, and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Monday. Which actor won the Oscar for Best Director for his 1981 film, Reds? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Walter Benjamin, who died on this day in 1940. Boredom is the dream bird that hatches the egg of experience. A rustling in the leaves drives him away. That's The World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.